Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me is... James Hunts. Uh, so James, this is extremely weird. Um, it's, <laughs> Especially given what we're about to talk about. Yes. Um, which is a whole avalanche of DC news, which I'm sure Seb would have had a lot to say about. Yeah. James and I have obviously been spending the last couple of weeks talking about the future of the podcast, what we'd like to do, um, and um, and kind of like how, how we can... Um, I think remember Seb and also kind of, um, you know, continue in a way that, that he would like us to. And it feels like if, if anything, uh, talking passionately about nerdy subjects is, is, is something that, um, the last few weeks has shown to me has a lot of value to a lot of people. Um, and <laughs> it feels like the right thing to us for us to do, to continue on doing that. Um, and James, you messaged me. Well, you messaged on our group chat this weekend, and we're like, "Oh God, I agree. Like all of this DC news really has me wishing we were doing the podcast so we could talk about it." And I was like, "Well, should we? Should we just record one? Should we yeah. do it?" <laughs> the best reason to do a podcast is because we want to, right? So yes, um, and I and I think that is uh, that's going to be the guiding principle moving forward. Um, as as long as. Uh, James and I are enjoying doing this and it, it hopefully doesn't feel too weird. Um, we will continue to. Uh, we'll try and, you know, bring the same uh, approach to all of the uh, nerdy comic book chat to talking about this kind of uh, this, this kind of uh, DC news or whether it be new movies or old movies and we will potentially, you know, uh, switch things up a little bit in the future. Um, and, um, obviously what will probably be notable for some listeners is, um, for the past year, I haven't been a host of this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I just an increasingly drunk guest. Yes. Well, that's true. Um, I think I was sober on Josie in the past. So I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) Um, but uh, please don't take this as me going, ah, Good, Seb's gone. Now I can, now I can podcast with James. Um, it... <laughs> no one wants to podcast with James. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it, it, you know, a, a, a year ago when I stepped back from the podcast, it was very much that uh, my uh, baby daughter um, was uh, about to be born and I talked about taking some time off and it kind of felt like five years into the podcast, the right time to step back. I'm sure I explained all of this at the time, but I said, you know, I wanted to stay involved and obviously have guested on the show um, a handful of times over the past year. Um, and and I'll be honest, I was starting to get itchy feet. I was thinking about what I would like to do within podcasting. I was always, whenever Seb or James messaged me to say, do you want to do an episode? It was like, yes, when? Um, <laughs> so when James and I had this conversation about, about how to continue on the podcast, it, it felt like the right thing to do for me as well. Um, that, um, you know, if Seven James had asked me a couple of months ago, I would have probably gone, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do want to get back into it. But I wasn't going to be knocking on the door saying, please let me come back. <laughs> <laughs> You've still got your dignity. Yeah. Um, but now I've said it out loud, I don't. um so the plan for the podcast is we will be continuing with just main episodes at least for the foreseeable future so there there won't be any mini episodes after we kind of return to talking about movies the plan is for regular episodes every fortnight uh we are going to try and tick off to begin with james the like big big outstanding movies that we haven't covered before so kind of some of those big franchises or sequels that we never got to or just stuff that kind of has a a big place in the superhero movie canon that we we never quite got to yeah we're not going to spend two hours talking about you know the 300 sequel for example yes but there um, are some big ones we missed i don't know do we want to spoil what they are um well i i think probably <laughs> let's let's spoil the the first one because as well as as well as the old big movies um apparently cinemas are, are planning to release new movies again and in fact when you listen to this in france and spain um cinemas will have shown new mutants which you know we're as surprised as you are um and it and it comes out in the uk next week so that will be our first episode back there is a certain irony in the first new movie back being a movie that has been sitting on shelves for two two years. Yes. <laughs> just <laughs> like, just, well, we've got this lying around, so let's see what we can do with it. Des- desperate to come out. Um, I'm still <laughs> fa- I'm fascinated. I, I, I will promise to try and get to the bottom of this before the podcast next week. Whether they actually managed to do the reshoots they said they were going to do. Yeah. Um, because my suspicion is they didn't. Um, so that will be an interesting one. We've then got some of the, as as we said, like the big the big movies coming up after that. And then uh, we think the format will slightly change after that. Um, but, you know, all, all will become clear as we as we get there. But we, f- we think we've found a we found an approach to um to still talk about the the topics that we uh we've always talked about uh but keep it fresh and fun and um you know you don't have to it's because you know in in the old days of the podcast it was fun talking about a spawn every every three or four episodes but you don't want to have to talk about spawns every week (laughs) (laughs) i know i don't (laughs) so um so yeah watch this space with all of that and um you know we'll 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 try and keep you informed as we're progressing uh but james we're gonna start off um by by but we, we need to go into the fandom the um 
the online bubble that DC created, um, which just to to talk about it as a concept, it seemed to be pretty successful, right? I mean, it, I was thinking this. It, it was weird to see to see DC making the kind of PR push that you would expect of Marvel, like to hold a big event that had everyone talking suddenly about their properties, like it. It was a really good thing for them, definitely. Like, I yeah. was I was very surprised. And I would say it kind of stood out from, you know, the, the normal Comic-Con D23 churn, where it is mm. like, ah, um, oh, you'll never guess who just turned up on stage and, and you'll see a grainy picture on Twitter. Or, ah, oh, God, they just screened 45 seconds of footage um, from <laughs> Shang Chi, yeah, should... <laughs> which no, you can't see. You, you yeah, we, you will hear about it third hand. Yeah, I mean, they showed that. Do you remember when the Infinity War trailer was just going around the various different conventions? It did Comic Con mm-hmm. and then did D twenty three, and then like two months later we saw it, and we were like, yeah, um, this would be cool if I hadn't read a shot for shot breakdown <laughs> <laughs> two months ago on the internet. Whereas the right. so the DC fandom approach was. This is a virtual Comic-Con. You're all invited. Please all watch the stream. Um, you know, and and everything that is announced or shown here is available for everyone straight away because that's kind of inherent to the concept. And there wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't walled off. It wasn't like, hey, if you're a subscriber to such and such, you get extra extra access. It was just... Here is a massive PR push for everything that DC is 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 doing in, well, film. Most it was mostly film, wasn't it? But there was bits of bits of TV and games and a bit of comics in there, I think. Yeah, and I guess it, it kind of makes sense. Like, why would you wall off your adverts? Like, put them out to as many people as possible. Get everyone talking. And you you have to wonder whether, well, the the next year will be interesting in in how events need to change regardless so obviously this was the year of cancellations next Mm -hmm. year you would imagine is the year of how do we put these events on but you know knowing that they can't function in the in the old way Um, and and we'll be interested to see how comic conventions work because those things you know nycc that i went to last year is just the whole place is packed shoulder to shoulder it just it can't happen like that next year i'm sure and so. i'm sh- and i'm sure that that you know exhibitors and you know these big companies that turn up with their stuff there you know we've we've seen years where you know marvel and disney just skip comic con or mm-hmm. a studio just goes no not for us this year we'll do it somewhere else um and uh, but you have to wonder whether they'll say well, why why do we why do we need to turn up to a convention center in San Diego when we can do this massive PR push online? On, yeah. online? Um, and maybe maybe Comic Cons will go back to being Comic Cons, you know? <laughs> It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I mean, I'd enjoy that because uh, <laughs> the thing I like doing most at Comic Cons is going around comics retailers and snapping up incredibly cheap back issues. <laughs> so, you know, if they take out the movie news, I'll be very happy with that, thanks. No back issues in the fandom. <laughs> right. Okay. So the, the I think the the biggest thing 
um, in terms of what's got people talking online uh, that debuted within the fandom was the trailer for the Batman. Lots of yeah. definite articles at um, <laughs> at this year's fandom. Um, so the Batman, starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne, we've got Paul Dano as the Riddler. Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, Colin Farrell unrecognisable as Penguin, um, uh, directed by Matt Reeves, of course. Um, and I, I, I was thinking, James, how wild that a couple of years ago, that, that well, a few years ago now, it's been a, a long time rumbling on as this solo Batman movie. The Batman was originally going to be written and directed by Ben Affleck. You know, he was he was developing this as his project for his Batman. And then mm-hmm. he got taken off the project, but it was still going to be a Ben Affleck starring the Batman movie. And now we've got Matt Reeves directing Robert Pattinson in a movie that is not set in the DC extended universe. Um, Meanwhile, Ben Affleck is there that weekend being announced as a cameo in a Flash movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. It's yeah, it's been a roller coaster wild. for Ben Affleck, that is for sure. So, um, what what were your kind of initial thoughts on the Batman trailer? So, I was very surprised to see the Riddler was a villain in it. I kind of, I'm not sure if I'd forgotten it wasn't he was in it or whether it was unannounced. Like, remind me. <laughs> Um, I mean, Paul Dano was definitely cast. I think we'd all assumed it. We, it, we even knew or we'd assumed. I, I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah. So I was watching it, going like, "Oh, okay, the Riddler's the villain. Fair enough." Like, I, I didn't. Uh, I was surprised by that. Um, I really liked Robert Pattinson's sort of weird loner Bruce Wayne. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, yeah. Just I've got to say. Considering how little enthusiasm I had for the movie, the trailer hit um, a fairly good number of notes for me. So, here's what was weird for me. I I, I kind of, as I have done, I mean, I, I guess for during during lockdown, during in our post COVID nineteen world, I've kind of stopped looking forward to things because you don't know. Yeah, because you just assume they're they're not coming. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, I I know there is theoretically a Batman movie in the future. I could look up when it's supposed to come out, but what does that mean? Um, So, um, I mean, I still don't. It's it's next year, right? It's twenty twenty one. At some point, it'll be like a. Is it a late summer release? It's October. It's the first of October, twenty twenty one. Oh yes, because of the um, the question marks in the in the release date at the end. It's, it's probably not a surprise that that didn't that didn't uh, hit home for me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of wa- I, I watched the trailer once um, on my phone on a train uh, on Saturday, um, and I, I kind of went, huh, yeah, it looks it looks like a Batman movie. It's, it looks like. It looks like a Batman movie by made by people who've gone. Hey, remember that the last Batman movies that really people cared about were the Nolan movies. Mm-hmm. Should we try and do something like that again? Um, but I watched it again today uh, with a bit of a closer eye on it, and I did start to get that kind of like that little jolt of, oh yeah, but it's a, yeah, it's a Batman movie, and that's. That's going to be quite fun, and oh, I, I I like Robert Pattinson, 
and Colin Farrell and Paul Dano and Zoe Kravitz and yeah, these these are all people who I'm interested in seeing a movie about. Um, and then I, you know, I, I I started seeing little details that I'll be brutally honest with you. My fo- my phone screen was never going to show in a trailer that is lit that darkly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is a very so, dark trailer yeah um so i started to pick up on you know the detective vibe more that it seems like he is investigating a series of murders um that the riddler um it seems like they've taken like some zodiac killer inspiration from mm-hmm. um so we'll see how closely paul dano um hues his performance to ted cruz and um, sorry that that went over your head obviously <laughs> but, but I, I enjoyed it um and and so yeah it, it definitely seemed like detective batman more than because have we what what's the batman movie that's the most detective yeah i mean there isn't there isn't one right there isn't one right and i've i've said before how eager i am to see someone do detective batman because for me, that's that's one of the major aspects of the character that gets overlooked constantly, is that he is supposed to be, you know, first and foremost, someone who solves crimes that other people can't, mm. rather than just beats up people other people can't. Um. So I'm I'm looking forward to that vibe from it, and um. And the Riddler's like a good a good villain to match with that. So yeah, absolutely. There's that there's that card that gets left for Batman in the trailer, um, and it's it, it's it, I think it says in the card, "What does a liar do when he's dead?" And then there is this code underneath it, and mm-hmm. people who are more intelligent than me have deciphered the code underneath, and it's the answer to the riddle, which is, "What does a liar do when he's dead? He lies still." <laughs> which is funny right it's a good yeah. it's a it's a good funny riddle um and you know if it's if it's batman kind of running around gotham trying to solve riddles i'm kind of into that i like that as a as an idea um and i like the kind of tease at the end of the trailer of the riddler's voiceover saying you're a part of this too you'll see um which kind of implies that we are going to th- this is still going to do a bit of origin stuff without without feeling the need to hopefully go back and do all of the stuff we've seen before hopefully it's yeah. we are because it's I, I saw that it was inspired by batman year two in a, a bit is that is that does that make sense i haven't read year two i don't think um yeah i i think i don't were they saying specifically by the year two story because I, I think know. I think it's more just they're saying this is because you know how there's like the famous Batman Year One comic, right? Which I have read, yes. Yeah, and so then there's a like Year One is him learning to be Batman, and then Year Two is like him, uh, like his world expanding, him meeting all his villains and stuff. Because I know there's the joke about you know superhero origins and seeing them over and over again. Um, and how relieved everyone was that we skipped that with Spider-Man. But I really do think when you've got a movie that is literally called Batman Begins, and that movie just goes into, what's the origin of his car? What's the origin of his suit? 
what's the origin? <laughs> what's the origin of this character and that character? And and it literally, you know, it kind of for two thirds of its running time, that's how Batman begins functions. It goes it really into the minutiae of yeah, what's the setup here? I, I do kind of like the idea of picking up with a a Batman in action because you know those that gang of street thugs that he fights look like they're Joker thugs, right? Mm-hmm. They've got they've got the like clownish makeup and. A little bit of the Heath Ledgery smile makeup. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping, and you know, if we and if we have got a Riddler, a Catwoman, um, a Penguin there already, hopefully it is picking up with Batman. But if we can do, if we can start to understand this version of the character by by digging into his origin through that story, that sounds like that seems like a better way into me, and potentially maybe do what the joker did a little bit which is to go maybe the waynes who have generated a huge amount of wealth in a city that is overwhelmingly corrupt and 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 dominated by crime maybe the waynes in that kind of you know in the real world wouldn't be squeaky clean yeah quite which will which i think will be fun to explore yeah and like i i think as you say, having an established world for Batman, it sort of works for the character because I think of all superheroes, his villains are as famous as he is. Like, they're, you know, everyone knows Lex Luthor, but could you name five Superman villains? Probably not. Like, maybe Spider-Man. But I think the uh, the thing about Batman is all of his villains are so good that you can just check them in a film and be like, Hey, it's the penguin. Hey, it's Catwoman. Hey, it's the Riddler. Like mm. you don't you don't need masses of introduction. You can just say, "Here is the Batman world. He's operating within it." Like here are all those things you like. And I, I and saw in that, that in that way, some... it's a bit it's a bit more comic booky, which is something that, especially after the Nolan trilogy, I'm sort of looking forward to. Yeah, that, uh, well, and and also I I think with Batman as well with DC in particular. When you say comic bucky, I I kind of think it's graphic novelly with Batman. Yeah. You know that you can you can open up a graphic novel and go, this is a new version of Batman that doesn't exist within the main continuity, but you get it within two or three pages. Mm-hmm. You understand the world. It's just a slightly different take on that villain and a slightly different take on that villain, and maybe this yeah. thing has changed. And we'll dig into that. Um, on the front of that card as well, there was a there was an owl, and so I wonder <laughs> I wonder whether they're gonna tease court of owls because that's a that's a more recent that's a um a a scott snyder invention right yeah yeah it's a a very recent thing yeah yeah um and and maybe that is more the fun kind of stuff that you bed in and build in the background rather than um you know (laughs) hinting that harvey dent might become two-face yes yeah yeah that again that seems more interesting to me um I would say I'm. I I, I shared this um, my kind of take on where Batman has be- has got to as a franchise because you know as we spoke about before there is you know this we'll we'll talk about the Flash later but Ben Affleck's returning for that Michael Keaton's returning for that there is um you know there was a Batman on DC's Titans there's a Batman being referred to on. Uh, uh, in the Flowerverse now and through the Batwoman show, I believe. Um, you know, that, that Batman as a concept is all over DC. 
Um, and it and it's not it's not really this discrete unit anymore when there are overlapping Batmans and the, and 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 especially when visually um, and kind of that that grim Batman punching uh, punching gang members to pieces. It none of it felt kind of incredibly fresh to me. I didn't look at that and go, "Oh, an incredible new take on Batman." I I more <laughs> I, I more looked at it and went, "I I wonder whether Bat Matt, Bat Reeves could be making um could be making <laughs> a decent Batman movie here that isn't massively different to what I've seen before." Um, so my my take is that Batman is James Bond now. That, <laughs> yeah, you that, said because uh, I I just I don't think I don't think there is uh, you know a world where in two or three years time or the ne- or the next Batman reboot comes around and it's closer to 66 or it's closer to Batman and Robin than it is to Nolan. I just, I, I think this, this kind of feels like the cinematic Batman now. Uh, and maybe in, in, you know, in animated films and on TV, we could get different versions potentially. Um, but this is, this is what Batman is now. It is a, it is something close to Nolan and, we he will be recast like James Bond is. We mm-hmm. he will have different adventures. It doesn't all necessarily fit into needs to fit into the same continuity, which obviously you know DC's multiverses allows for anyway. Um and hey, isn't it nice for me to be back talking about multiverses, James? <laughs> <laughs> At least you have some evidence of it actually happening. Yes. <laughs> um But yeah yeah, I kind of feel like it's maybe we just need to see see Batman as Bond now which is he will be back for new adventures it might be the same actor it might not the continuity might have slightly changed uh, but ultimately don't expect some kind of radical new direction it will be even when it feels like a new direction it's it, it's a it's a tweak to the formula rather than something completely fresh and original yeah i mean i was about and to I, say, I how say does, that how loving casino, Bond, by the way i was about to say how does casino royale fit into that theory but like casino royale really felt like uh they'd gone okay let's do james bond in a in a fresh and modern way and then every sequel went okay yeah but what if he was more like the old james bond and i, and I love casino royale but it's still it's still a lot of the same bond elements it's still fundamentally the same kind of character it's more that that the Brosnan ones had got a bit goofier and a bit goofier. Um, they Batman and Robin themselves. Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, I could see those kind of, re- you know, a reinvention from Brosnan to Craig feels doable. Yeah. Um, or from Roger Moore to um, Timothy Dalton. But mm-hmm. I, that's that's kind of what I see the future for the Bat franchise now. I just... no one's No one's going to take it back to Adam West. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> or it will be very knowing and... You know, it'll be Lego Batman, basically. <laughs> um, was there anything else in the trailer? I saw that... I, I did see them mention that... Uh, so, Barry uh, Keegan, I think you pronounce his surname, was cast in the movie. Um, or it was announced over the weekend. He's also starring in Eternals next year, so... Uh, Barry Keegan in the superhero realm um, and also Matt Reeves that mentioned that the Gotham PD TV series that he's working on is going to be a that, or, or that is connected to this movie will be a prequel to the movie um, 
I've got to say, less interested in that, James, than I am the yeah. Arbats. I mean, if anything, if Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has taught us anything, right, is that the tail cannot wag the dog. So I'm sure if you watch that TV show, you might get a bit of context or an Easter egg that you haven't got otherwise. But realistically speaking, everything you need to know will be Mm. in the film for the millions of viewers who watch the film, but not the TV show. Yeah. Like anything else is just marketing gumph. Yeah, I would think so. Um, Okay, so that was uh, that was the Batman. Um, we will move away from the definite article for a moment uh, to go to <laughs> WW84, which it has now been stylized as. To A yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah, A Wonder just yeah, just just A Wonder Woman, but this time <laughs> in in eighty four. Um, so this was the second trailer for the movie that should have been released by now, um, but hasn't been. Um, I'm still really looking forward to this, James. Um, I really enjoyed the first one, uh, which, you know, I think I'm on record on it. It, it landed really well with us on the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. This trailer mostly, I think, showed us a lot of what we'd seen before, which was Chris Pine is back. Still don't know why. Uh, it, it looks like the kind of uh, background villain is Maxwell Lord, who... Um, looks like he's doing some kind of demon headmaster stuff from the white house on the tv in the trailer (laughs) (laughs) um so i i I don't know whether he's going to be tied into cheetah's story but really this was the trailer that was designed to give us a closer look at Kristen wick's cheetah uh we hadn't seen the character design before um and we got a lot a lot closer look at her um i've read a couple of comics with cheetah in and i was always a bit like Oh wow, that's a that's a full on comic book villain. How would you, you? That's that's one of those villains that never really makes it onto the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wonder Woman's gone there with its second movie, um, which is is a bold shout. And I couldn't quite tell from the trailer whether I thought it worked or not. But it definitely it definitely didn't look like something that was like, oh, that's a horror show that's going to break the movie. I, I think it's got it's got potential. I mean, the thing the thing that concerns me is that it just doesn't seem to match the tone or theme of Wonder Woman. I'm just a bit like, this is, to date, this has been quite a sort of consistent and, like, it's hard to say grounded, because... I know you what know, you mean. She's an I Amazonian. But it hasn't, it hasn't been sort of off the wall weirdness and that's what cheetah looks like to me Hmm. that said i've got no massive problems with it i'm just a bit like i'm unsure how i'm gonna react when she's actually in the film yeah just any any sort of she's landing a little bit in the uncanny valley for me in being a bit too cgi but also not cgi enough i'm also intrigued to see kristen wick's performance because mm. I kind of, I kind of feel like I know what I'm gonna get from Pedro Pascal as Mas- Maxwell Lord. Yeah. I, I kind of, I feel like I've seen that kind of character and also that kind of performance from him uh, in in stuff before. Uh, yeah, Chris, Kristen Wiig. I, I've obviously she, she 
she's better known for her comedy, but she does drama as well. I'm sure she will get a chance to show off some comedy in this film as well, because it does look like it's going to have a lot of that mixed in with the superheroics. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of intrigued, because did you did you get a Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman vibe at all? <laughs> Not as much as I got an uh, Uma Thurman Poison Ivy vibe. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? If you if 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 you meet in the middle somewhere, there it could work out very very well. Yeah, I just yeah i I feel like I've seen the character before in other movies, so I'm interested to see what the take on her is. Um, what is do do you have any working theory on Chris Pine? because for me it's it's kind of twofold it's what do i think it is and what would be acceptable well so so maxwell lord basically says like you'll be granted any the your wish right doesn't he like he says if you you will get what is it something in the trailer says like you'll get everything your heart desires Hmm. and it seemed fairly cut and dry to me that whatever the MacGuffin is for the story is going to be what brings Chris Pine back, and it will just be a temporary situation. That yeah, you, know, you by... don't you don't think he's fully back? No, I think by defeating Maxwell Lord, you will also erase Chris Pine, and that will be you know the that will be the big um, sacrifice she makes at the end of the movie. Although, especially given that it's Maxwell Lord, I can sort of imagine what. <laughs> what the twist might be and i'm not i don't know do you know about the the comics event with maxwell lord i'm sure we've spoken about i'm it sure we've spoken about it because I, I know he doesn't he begin life in dc as mostly a good guy kind of like like maybe slightly dodgy businessman but working on the side of the justice league yeah and then in a in a sort of naughty storyline he was turned outright evil and wonder woman killed him um, right, by snapping his neck on TV, and you so think I, that? I sort of wonder: Are they going to do that as the ending of this film? And if so, is that a good idea? You know, will she? Will she approach that? Um, as like commentary on the Man of Steel neck snap? Because oh, I just. Was- I just feel like having, you know, having your superhero snap someone's neck as the climax of a film has been done to much criticism. So if they if they go that direction with Wonder Woman and Maxwell Lord, and it seems hard not to, um, are they going to do it correctly? Mm. In an interesting way. Yeah, yeah, that will be interesting. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm also I'm kind of hoping that Chris Pine is not as prominent in the movie as he appears to be in the trailer because while I think that Chris Pine is great and he's fun um, I do have sympathy with the people who who kind of which I I, you know I know Caroline is uh, you know was of, of this opinion back when Wonder Woman was released that Chris Pine gets way more play than any love interest ever gets. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know we kind of felt like, wouldn't it be great if that happened for every love interest and they were all as well fleshed out and got as much time in the story as he does. Uh, so, you know, you don't end up with a Rachel McAdams and Doctor Strange situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do also kind of feel like I've seen that. I love Chris Pine. Um, but could he just very definitely play second fiddle here and hopefully not take screen time away from Kristen Wiig? Um, because that, mm-hmm. that, that looks like, you know, I would like to see that relationship more than I would like to see the, the Steve Trevor, Diana relationship again. Yeah. Especially because as like, it felt like that, that story got its resolution or at least, yeah. you know, it it was a full story and bringing him back feels like it could very easily retread it of like, oh, hey, you know, you're still in love, but you have to lose him again. Hmm. Like, mm, okay, but if you want to bring him back, you could always Peggy Carter it. <laughs> um, I do I do continue to think that the like visually it looks great it looks really fun her riding lightning and the I love the, the I love the, the day suit glow the suits yes um, and the posters have been kind of roundly excellent as well yeah um, yeah so hey fingers crossed for Wonder Woman 84 um, which again will be out at some point in in the in the post-covid future um, <laughs> James, should we uh, should we take a step over to negative corner? <sighs> sure, why not? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I don't think I have talked uh, to you about the Snyder Cut since it was announced that it was actually happening. Um no, you wouldn't have. Certainly certainly not on the podcast. Um It's interesting, right? Because I, I was always adamant that the Snyder Cut did not exist. Um and and I think that how the Snyder Cut has actually now been approached is kind of proof in the pudding that it, it didn't exist and it never existed in a way that would be able to be made public without significant significant investment in it yeah because for a start they spent what 30 to 50 million making it Mm. and it's being released at a length that could not possibly have been shown in cinemas yes so it is now going to be four one hour installments on hbo max Mm -hmm. i think i think that is you know crucial to this as well that i i think that they had to find a resolution where the amount of money that would be spent on reshoot or on reshooting on shooting the stuff that Zack Snyder wants to flesh this out, mm-hmm. uh, because I think he, what what he will now attempt to do is tell what he had originally planned to do over his two part Justice League movie originally, mm-hmm. um, and tell that as a discrete unit on HBO Max. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the fact that it's on HBO Max as well, you know that there are now 
no distribution costs uh the marketing spend will be significantly less they've got a you know a distribution partner on hand there that will that will split that with them um so yeah i think that's i think that's why it's happening um i think it is a shame that it i think it's a shame a lot of the people that it has uh enabled it i i think it is un, pretty unquestionably as a as a mass a fairly toxic fan base i think there are some people within that who are um you know <laughs> not necessarily toxic themselves and you know the people within that within that kind of hashtag that raised money for suicide prevention and stuff was pretty noble but mm-hmm. at the same time the amount of money that they wasted on stuff like which i'm sure they would see as not being wasted because they're getting the movie they want but that i see as being wasted on uh you know d- d- billboards in times square it's mm-hmm. just just seems crazy to me um and i would say from what i saw this weekend um it is not that Zack snyder is someone who was caught up in the middle of this toxic fan base i i think he is a a you know, a very you know the chief enabler of this toxic yeah. fan base. Well, he has that Randian mindset, right? Doesn't he? Of just being able to be a dickhead because he's telling what he believes to be the truth. Um. Yeah, and n- I... nothing of his behaviour over the last couple of years has done anything to make me think he is in any way concerned with the the awful things people do and say in his name no. essentially no I, I mean the if anyone watched the panel itself Zack Snyder repeatedly referred to uh the people online who campaigned to release the Snyder Cut as a movement um which made me feel a little bit queasy uh it, it, it was almost you know it almost felt as if it was like some kind of twisted social justice thing mm-hmm. uh and it, it just the 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 way that it, so like he had he had questions fan questions that he was asked by the cast of justice league and then he had two fans who were prominent in the and just please see my air quotes at all times when i say this in the movement um <laughs> And that you know, they seemed like nice people who just you know kind of like were fans of Zack Snyder movies and saw Justice League the first time and went, I just don't believe that that's the movie that Zack Snyder intended to release. Which mm-hmm. I, I I would you know wholeheartedly agree with them. I don't think it was, and I think potentially what we will see at the end of it is a more interesting version of Justice League than the one that was originally released because. They they obviously sanded off a lot of the Snyder edges and just put out something that was perfectly bland, not very good, but kind of didn't have anything in it like a jar of Granny's peach tea, did it? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it does seem like they, you know, I know Joss Whedon gets flack for Justice League, but it feels very much to me like the studio went, you have experience doing movies like this make us this super bland like 
as Marvel version as we can have with the footage we've got already. Mm. And, you know, for, for all that I dislike Zack Snyder, he is at least a filmmaker with his own sense of style. You know, much like Michael Bay in that regard. Yeah, and 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 you know, I don't, I don't think I don't think Zack Snyder is a bad filmmaker. In fact, I think he is a really interesting filmmaker. I just don't necessarily, I haven't liked the stuff he's done within the DC universe. I think his Watchmen movie is kind of a a flawed, failed experiment. His Dawn of the Dead movie is is good i think mm-hmm. 300 I, I certainly at the time as a like 15 16 year old thought that 300 was great um yeah i mean three th- 300 is the only one i bought i did enjoy dawn of the dead um and and sucker punch which is a i, I think a, an unengaging mess of a movie has some really you know still has some interesting filmmaking some really mm-hmm. competent filmmaking and um and and some kind of interesting thematic stuff that for me is hidden under the really bland surface, but it is in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Zack Snyder took to Twitter this weekend, which was you know a weekend where he finally gets to release the trailer for this thing, um, and should be celebratory. Um, and Scott Mendelson, uh, who is a critic who I believe predominantly writes for Forbes, that is correct. Um, tweeted and I've got it up here so that trailer for the Snyder Cut of Justice League looks like the same movie lots of deleted scenes from the marketing campaign but otherwise it looks like alternate takes of existing scenes and admittedly Scott Mendelson tweeted that when uh, the official trailer had not been released and Zack Snyder quote tweeted him and said you said you enjoyed the theatrical cut of Justice League like you like you enjoy your Saturday morning cartoons. Well, this is made for grown-ups, so you're not in the demographic. Also, cool of you to comment on a leaked, tra- a leaked teaser. So, yeah. I think, you know, fair enough on the leaked bit. Uh, but I'm sure when that leaked trailer was doing its way around Twitter, um, Scott Meldeser was not the only one commenting on it and watching it. Um, but... <sighs> This movie is made for grown-ups, and then you see the trailer, and the opening <sighs> shot is a hideous CG dark side dropping a hammer, and then the and then the trailer is kind of lots of deleted scenes from the marketing campaign with alternate takes of existing scenes because mm-hmm. he he hasn't he hasn't shot his new stuff yet, so that's kind of what it was. Scored yeah. to Hallelujah, which is ah oh, God, just already closely associated with Zack Snyder from the time he had people fucking to it in Watchmen. Yeah, my joke was that, was um, Patrick Wilson's arm going to pop up and ejaculate at the end of the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> given, given that he is in that in that shared cinematic universe. Um, the, the explanation that's been given online is that it's quite a personal track for Zack Snyder and, and his wife Deborah, who's obviously a producer of the movie. Um, and that it it meant it means something to them in relation to their daughter's death, which is obviously what took him away from the movie in the first place. I I empathise with that, but this is a this is a trailer you're using to market the movie. But then, you know, I think for for a, you know a large portion of that demographic uh, that Zack Snyder refers to, he 
he is the reason to watch this. It is, it is, it is kind of like a cult at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, ultimately, I don't know. I don't know if I will watch this. Four hours is. Is that it's a lot to ask, and and Zack Snyder said that they will they will edit it edit it into you know one piece at the end, but it will be a one four hour piece. Basically, what he's saying is it will be at, it will be accessible as a movie at the end of this. But as far yeah. as I'm concerned, it's it's a mini series, right? It's for right. I mean, so I've got a couple of things to say about it before we before we move on, <laughs> which are that I probably will watch it. Only in one-hour chunks. I can't fathom watching any four-hour movie, no. much less a four-hour cut of Justice League. But I'm I'm very interested in just generally. Like I'm a bit of a process nerd, so I I'll be really intrigued to see what Zack Snyder shot and what Joss Whedon shot for a start. Mm. You know what what Zack Snyder was aiming for that Justice League as released ended up being like how that how those two things uh, compare um what i'm most interested in is whether this ends up just being like a 4 hour assembly cut and like has he actually got a vision in mind or is it just going to be everything he shot cut together no i think i think it's it's going to be a like i said i think he's going to shoot a lot of new stuff that will basically be I imagine a truncated version of movie two. Yeah, so, I'll be interested. So, and, and I, if I had to guess, the stuff that's on the cutting room floor from the original Justice League is, um, you know, some of the stuff we saw in this trailer, which is a, a bit more um, Flash and Cyclops. Um, Cyborg. Cyborg, sorry. Uh, Flash and, and Cyborg um, backstory stuff. Um, fleshing out their characters a bit more. I think that there will be more of that kind of uh, nightmare apocalypse vision of Earth. Um, mm-hmm. I think there will be more of Superman in the black suit and him being evil for longer. Uh, and maybe not fully back to being original Superman by what would have been the climax of movie one. I imagine that black suit will stick around for a while longer. And, you know, I, I, the third act of Justice League felt like it was fully Whedon. So I'd imagine that, that maybe that's where the apocalypse stuff is, right? Yeah, and, I would and, expect that to be at the end, certainly. And then there will be some dark side stuff in what ends up being like the fourth hour of this <laughs> four hour thing. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's and there's stuff that Snyder's talked about and teased about doing uh, over the last few years. Um, there's um, I, I'm I think he talked about wanting to do Martian Manhunter uh, mm-hmm. because obviously Justice League unites the six. It never right? united I, the seven. I, well, I was watching this trailer and I kept thinking unite the seven. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I don't. The seven? <laughs> no. And I don't know whether there was there was a tease of Green Lantern in the original one, wasn't there? But I I wonder whether that might have that might have like quietly died, given that the I think unless this is a massive smash success, the DC extended universe is going to be something very different to what was intended when Justice League was made. At the other side of this, yeah, um, I so mean, a, a tease for Green Lantern, future Green Lanterns, doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. 
No, I mean, maybe we should move on to the Flash stuff now, actually, because I, I kind of have a point to make about that. Yeah, let's do it. So we uh, we got mostly concept art from the Flash, mm-hmm. uh, which is happening. Um, it seems like it's still a Flashpoint movie. Uh, a, a couple of months ago, it was announced that Michael Keaton was uh, going to be re- uh, reprising his role as Batman in the movie. Um, did, it, hang on. Did they announce that? Or did they just announce he was going to be in it and everyone went, ah, he's Batman? Because I have a vague uh, memory of them saying he was going to be someone else entirely. Oh, no, I, I think it was always Batman. Okay. That was always my, that was my assumption anyway. Yeah. So whether I... It would be, I, right? I've, I've, I've got to admit, I didn't read these news reports in the detail I would have done when previously re- reporting them for the podcast. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I was not on pod du- duty, I was like, oh, all right, but Michael Keaton's back. Cool. Um... So yeah, Keaton's back, and now it's been announced that Affleck is bat is bat is back as well. Um, so we're going to have multiple Batmen. Apparently, the Flash's suit is going to be designed by one of those Batmen. Uh, it would make sense for me to me for that to be the Affleck version, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I, I guess remains to be seen. And you would kind of expect that Keaton's Batman will be a a Batman Beyond riff. That's that. I, I, that's my guess anyway. I old, I would expect a bit more. I would have expected a more Dark Knight Batman rather than a Batman Beyond. But I guess yeah. I don't know how old's uh, Michael Keaton these days. Um, I mean he is thirty years older than when he first played Batman. Sixties, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, I see. I see the Batman Beyond Batman as being more like late eighties. So. Okay. Maybe on the way to that. But anyway, so what, what what was it you wanted to talk about in relation to the Snyder Cut? Uh, so the, the fact that they're doing uh, a Flashpoint movie that is manifestly going to have multiple Batman in suggests to me that they might use it as a way of like just doing a sort of blanket... Um, re- not, not so much a reboot, but just a sort of wiping the slate clean on the extended universe and being like... Okay, all of those movies no longer count unless we want them to. Yes, that's unless we want them to seems yeah. like the operative word for me. So it can what I kind of see it as is like um all of all of the existing DC elements from, you know, the the extended universe and other movies that they've made at different points kind of get all thrown into um like a big bingo machine. <laughs> and they're just they're just kind of flying around in there during Flashpoint, and what will come out of the other side will be obvious for the Flash in terms of what world he exists in and how he operates, and that they can just decide the rest as they go along. So, yeah. does Wonder Woman still exist in the same world as Ezra Miller's Flash at the end of it? Don't know. When do we know? Yeah, probably next, when next they, time probably... they want to make a Justice League. They'll figure or, it or out. next, or, or when they make the next Wonder Woman movie, do they need to reference it? Mm-hmm. And so you just, yeah, you, you kind of make those movies until you need to cross them over. And even if you know, if if all of the DCEU characters are all in different universes, come the end of this, but actually the Snyder Cut is so successful and they want to bring them back together, well, Barry Allen can travel through time and space the way he does on the or did on the TV show, mm-hmm. and you can bring bring them together that way, the same way that the TV show was just able to do Crisis on Infinite Earths and the TV Barry Allen was able to meet Ezra Miller's Barry Allen. 
I mean, I, I think what will happen, right, is that they're just going to move to a model that abandons the kind of continual sequelizing that Marvel do. Because they just, they have to acknowledge that they can't do that. Like, I'm not sure anyone can do it the way that Kevin Feige can do it. So if they say, well, you know, the the Aquaman films will keep being Aquaman films. And if we want to put Aquaman in one of the other films, fine. But, like, the next DC film is not going to be a sequel to the last one. And that's how they're playing it now. Like, you know, it wasn't like anything in Birds of Prey explicitly referenced Suicide Suicide Squad. Squad. (laughs) No. Other than, I mean, all it, you know, that that Harley had a Mr. J, but he was never on screen. Mm Mm-hmm. It, does it even have to be Jared Leto? I don't. I don't know that it does. No, quite. Um, yeah, and do you know what? I think that's. I think that's probably. You know, I. I would like a bit of variety, um, and you know, ultimately, I want all of these movies to be good. Um, so if DC, if DC can do something more approaching that, and they need to use the Flash movie as a means of doing it. Um, then fine, and and hopefully that movie is, uh, is wacky because it sounds like it might be. <laughs> I mean, Ezra Miller's Flash was my favorite part of Justice League, so I'm sort of down for this. Yeah, I like Ezra Miller. Um, as I mean, I, I liked him until he started yeah. choking people. Yeah, as an actor, In- interesting that that you know, um, w- was kind of roundly ignored. I've yeah, got to say that's video footage of it. Yeah, and and it's it is again one of the things that makes me slightly uneasy about the whole uh, Snyder cult that you've got Ray Fisher's Twitter account being what it has been for the past two or three months, calling out Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. and all of that might be fully correct and accurate, but basically what it seems to me is that he's a, and I don't think. Fisher has ever in- accused him of anything more than being unprofessional, um, kind of rude, disrespectful, and a bit of a dick, really. Which you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not here to say whether that is true or not true about Joss Whedon. But for, <laughs> the th- you I know, mean, just quickly about the, that, the, for that the... to be something that you you just need to be so you you need to share publicly at this point when the when the Snyder cut has been announced yeah um when i i yeah and yet we don't say anything about one of your co-stars on camera choking out a fan yeah it's crazy like my my opinion on the Ray Fisher thing is just like you know actor dislikes director is a bit of a non-story as far as i'm concerned like and for me, kind of director being an asshole is kind of a non-story <sighs> because I, I mean I'm sure it's not pleasant for people in those situations, um, but like you know a, a a guy under pressure to deliver reshoots <laughs> on a two hundred million dollar movie, I can kind of see that guy being stressed out and addicted to people around him just trying to get shit done and especially yeah. when especially when it's a paycheck and he doesn't really care mm-hmm. i mean this is this is not me in any way like defending joss whedon and saying it's okay for him to be a dick 
Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I'm not. sure that's unpleasant for all those people in that situation. But unless he is, he has explicitly crossed lines. Um, I'm not sure that's any more unprofessional than talking about it publicly afterwards. No, quite. Ye- years after the event, when <laughs> when there's suddenly a publicity push to make. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just I, I I'm un I'm uneasy about all of it. Um, and I I just I just kind of feel like yeah that <laughs> the Ezra Miller thing shouldn't be swept under the carpet either. Yeah. I and, and, and you know I think probably further complicated by that is a a black actor talking about his white director um mm-hmm. and you know you, you certainly for us kind of uh, liberal lefty snowflakes your your uh, your kind of sympathies do immediately go in one direction rather than the other um and I think it's probably only my kind of like the facts that I prickle a, li- a little bit whenever there is any Snyder cut discourse that made me go, "Hang on, why why are you saying this now? And what what is actually being said? Because mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure anything is being said yet. And why are you not saying it about the other guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that yeah. that, that is that. That is uh, the Flash movie. Um, James, I think my highlight of the DC fandom in terms of uh, kind of well, certainly in terms of shifting my expectations of a movie, were was the Suicide Squad stuff, which kind of it was a it was a two minute reel of behind the scenes footage that was uh, kind of interspersed with actors going, "Oh, you've never seen anything like this before." Oh, James Gunn, this is the most crazy project I've ever been involved with um and lots lots of that kind of stuff um but interspersed with um a movie that didn't look like suicide squad which was which was a positive to begin with um has this kind of huge crazy cast and um felt like yeah like like james gunn having fun in a with a a different type of action figures (laughs) The thing that I liked most about the Suicide Squad trailer was, like, I've been a comics fan for, uh, I don't know, what, 25, 30 years? Like, admittedly more Marvel than DC. I don't think I recognised any of these characters, aside from the ones who had been in the... (laughs) The ones who had been in the previous Suicide Squad film. Like, I can only imagine Seb would have been, like rubbing his hands in glee at the prospect of seeing some of these characters yes absolutely and i do want i do want to rattle through them to an extent but i you know we're not going to try and replace what seb brought to this podcast i want you know we because we'd just be reading through a wikipedia page um <laughs> and certainly could not do him justice but i did want to rattle through them because there's some there's, there's some fun ones um and i thought maybe even we could just speculate about what their deal is um and and what's going to happen with them in, in the course of the movie so we'll start off with the the returning cast which uh we've got margot robbie as harley quinn viola davis as amanda waller uh jai Courtney's back as captain boomerang <laughs> and joel kinnaman as rick flag um my bet james is that one or two of those doesn't see it past the opening act 
Because it like what, what you, the statement you make right is you you kill one of the ones that you know already and then go, oh we'll hang out with these other guys. It's not going to be Harley Quinn. I'd be surprised if it's Amanda Waller. So I kind of feel like killing either Boomerang or Rick Flag would be a fun opening five minutes thing to do. Yeah, especially because Rick Flag is the leader of the Suicide Squad. Seems yes. very clear to me that if anyone's going to die in the first ten minutes of the film, it's going to be him. And also, I mean, Jai Courtney's boomerang. I, I do think it's one of Jai Courtney's better performances, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> or certainly, certainly within the within that you know, like two or three year run of Jai Courtney as a movie star now in blockbusters, and you go, is he? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think this might have been the one that he at least had a bit of fun with. Um, it's I just sort of think it would, be, it would be too much of a shame to lose someone called Captain Boomerang. Well. But then again, when we go through the rest of these characters, it feels like you've got people to to fill the gap. So Idris <laughs> Idris Elba, who was originally the thought was that he was going to be replacing um, Will Smith as Deadshot, and I believe that Elba had a conversation with James Gunn and said, "I'd kind of prefer to play someone new." And then, mm-hmm. you know, that gives you the opportunity to have Will Smith back at some time in yeah. the future as well. Deadshot which I'm sure not being like. the iconic headline character that, yes. for example, Harley Quinn is. Yes. Um, so he is instead playing a character called Bloodsport, who apparently is a really niche character. Because we at the time went, Bronze Tiger, maybe? Because he's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a bigger deal in Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he's playing a character called Bloodsport. Now... You're not killing Idris Elba, are you? He's got to be around for the majority of this. Yeah. Okay. Um, John Cena is playing Peacemaker, who is described in the the behind-the-scenes footage as a kind of douchey Captain America who uh, wants peace no matter how much violence he has to cause to get there. (laughs) Sounds like a very James Gunn character. Yeah, sounds fun. Um, I, I think potential for early death. But also it's John Cena, so maybe you do want to keep him around. Yeah, I would say wrestler in a movie, generally a good sign. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter Capaldi is playing the Thinker, which is a character I have heard of. Really? Yes, because he was the villain on the. Well, he was the ser- he was the villain on the series of the Flash that I tapped out on. Okay. Which was either three? No, I think series four. I think I tapped out on four. Fair enough. Um, and his deal was, I seem to remember, really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I did see James Gunn, someone tweeted him and said, oh, um, oh, is he going to be like Doctor Who? And he was like, no, no, he's going to be... And he said, he said, I actually saw him for the first time in uh, in The Loop and I've asked him to play his character much closer to that. <laughs> and I thought, and I, I, it did make me giggle a bit. I was like, no, no, I went for the real deep cut of In The Loop. Not yeah. the thick of it. In the loop, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, if it, I, I mean, you look at that character and you do think that's probably going to be a more unhinged, sweary character than it's going to be a more wholesome Doctor Who type. Yeah, definitely. Who was it? Because originally, I remember Seb thought that it, he might be playing a character that was based on Grant Morrison. Yeah, do you remember that? Oh, were they not? Was Seb not saying he is just playing Grant Morrison? Maybe. I can't remember. Because Grant Morrison is technically in the DCU because of um, his appearance in Animal Man. 
Maybe it was that. I can't remember, but it obviously it it didn't transpire that way. He is the thinker instead. Yeah. Um, Sean Gunn will be playing Weasel, <laughs> who just looks um, horrific. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like animated roadkill. Um, it kind of looks like something you would see in Animal Man, right? <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, I don't know Weasel. Um, looks like fun. Um. Danielle Melchior is playing Ratcatcher 2. Uh, so presumably we have to find out in the movie what happened to Ratcatcher 1. <laughs> um, David Dasmalchian, who uh, is obviously in the Ant-Man movies over in the uh, Marvel Universe and was in uh, The Dark Knight back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. He's playing Polka Dot Man, who looks like he could be a, a breakout here. He's got He's got Polka Dots, James. He throws them. <laughs> yeah, again, never heard of him. No clue. <laughs> I think I think he's in the Lego Batman movie. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he might and he might be in he might be in um, the uh, the animated Batman. Quite possibly, uh, quite possibly. What's, God, I've forgotten what that show's called. What's it called? Which one? Brave and the Bold. No, the good one in the nineties. The animated series. <laughs> Yeah, it's Batman the Animated Series. Yes, yeah. I was like, why? Because all I could think of in my head is, it has an acronym. What's the acronym? <laughs> BTAS. Yeah, you know, the um, animated Batman series, Batman the Animated yeah. Series. Yes, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, Pete Davidson is playing Blackguard. He is absolutely dying at the start. <laughs> right? Yeah. Nathan Fillion is playing TDK. Don't know what TDK stands for. Haven't Googled it. Nathan Fillion is dying at the start. He's Armful Off Boy. He's what? <laughs> Armful Off Boy from uh, the um. Damn it! What are they called? He was in. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat here, James. Legion of Superheroes. The Le- he was one of the Legion rejects. Um, oh, and his arm and his arm falls off. Yeah, yeah. He can detach his own limbs. Oh right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense given the little the little design he had then. Whereas, yeah, his arms looked like, um, you know, the little an- the little animations they did for the poster for each of the characters. Yeah. His arms looked like ham joints. So yeah, that would that would make sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Do you think he dies at the start? I think he dies at the I, start. Part of me thinks there is going to be an X Force in Deadpool two situation, where they introduce a bunch of characters and then just kill like six of them in one go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Flula Borg is playing Javelin. Um he was quite prominent in the behind the scenes stuff in terms of like the actor talking and also seeing shots of him in the costume. So I think he's gonna be one of the core members, if I had to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh Ung is playing Mongol. I don't know if I've pronounced her name correctly, but she's playing Mongol. Um Don't know there. Alice Braga, who it's nice to see in big movies again, is playing Solsoria. I'm going to guess she'll st- stick around. Storm Reed is playing Tyler. Um, I'm just going to rattle through these because these were some of the ones that didn't really get um, get any focus in the marketing, so it's difficult to speculate about them. Uh, Juan Diego Botto is playing Presidente, Presidente General Silvio Luna. <laughs> um, Joaquin Cosio is playing Major General Matteo Suarez. Uh, I'm assuming that's Suarez, actually, and I've typed it wrong. Uh, Jennifer Holland is playing Amelia Harcourt. And then 
Um, I guess the the two other ones that did pe- feature prominently, uh, Steve Ag is going to be the on set performer for King Shark. Um, they haven't announced Taika Waititi's role yet, so I have to assume he's voicing King Shark, especially after seeing what that character looks like, <laughs> which is is basically. If you know that scene in Moana where Maui half transforms into a shark but doesn't doesn't realize, that's kind of what I'm expecting here. Yeah, um, like the shark from Buffy. Yes, but no, Jen, I, I need you to understand. Um, Moana is on a 24-hour loop in my house right now, so <laughs> that is my reference point for everything. <laughs> yeah, happy with that. Um. And then Michael Rucker is playing Savant. Michael Rucker. Again, I kind of would have thought that would be an early death, but again, seems to be quite prominent in the behind-the-scenes footage. So unless they're just showing his early stuff, maybe he'll be sticking around as well. I mean, James Gunn is basically Michael Rucker's personal sponsor, right? Yeah. He is the J to a silent Bob. So yes, I would not be surprised if, Michael Rooker ends this film alive, not least because they already killed him in Guardians. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I promise not I to killed you in Guardians, time, but don't worry, you're going to be alive in the DC universe. <laughs> you can come back in that franchise. And then, uh, I guess from a wider level, that it was being described as like a 1970s set war movie. Which... I don't know. I like rather than rather than seeing gritty war drama in the DCU, I kind of saw um, Tropic Thunder. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I don't. I don't really know what to expect from from the from the plot of the movie. Um, and, and I thought it was interesting that the marketing for this was it was just wow, look at all these characters, and then. James Gunn. It wasn't Margot Robbie, mm-hmm. which I wonder whether the underperformance of Birds of Prey has something to do with that. Um, but having said that, the moments that she did show up, I thought her new costume looked really great. And yeah. when she's speaking to the camera, she's just so obviously immediately charismatic. And um I wasn't around for the Birds of Prey episode. I didn't love Birds of Prey as much as a, a lot of people did. Um, but she's she's great. <laughs> she she really uh, and, is. Yeah, and and I, what I'm hoping is that it, she doesn't get backgrounded in this, or that she's just turning up for a sequence and then. I mean, I'm fairly sure they're not going to kill her. Um, but what I'm hoping is that she is as pivotal a part of this as as she was the first one, because you know. I think we all worked out of the first one going she is the best thing about that by a country mile. Yeah, I'm I I think I go in the opposite direction to you thinking that she's probably going to be in it in a way that is funny and memorable but also like more like they turn up to recruit her and she's just like nah. No a Wolverine in first yeah, class. Yeah, more like that. She's got at least two outfits in it though. Yeah, fair. Based Fair on point. based on that behind the fu- behind the scenes footage, so yeah, we'll <laughs> see. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks fun. Um, James Gunn seems to have had a fun time doing it. So um, and do you know what? Actually, right now I'm probably I would say I am looking forward to that more than Guardians Three. I the, the it's it's difficult for me to get excited about a Chris Pratt led movie at the moment. Right. 
which I don't know. It's just uh, it's just uh, unfortunate when you like pay attention to people's. Um, <sighs> I guess I guess real life and other movies, but he just. He doesn't inspire excitement, does he? <laughs> it's the problem. The problem with social media is that it stops us being able to ignore the personal lives of the actors we like. Yeah, I mean, I, but I like to say as it, as much as that, it is me thinking he's a bit naff in the Avengers movies and um, hasn't put in a good performance since a Guardians film <laughs> that I've seen anyway. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, um, I, I think the last big movie thing that we need to talk about from Fandome was uh, Black Adam. No footage from this because it hasn't started filming yet. Um, but it is finally happening. D- the Rock has remained signed on to this franchise. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, sorry, as he's, as he's now known. Um, he signed on to this years and years ago. And like, uh, it might have even been before Channing Tatum was Gambit. I don't know. But like, it... <laughs> it, it weirdly like as much as it felt like it you know he'd signed on and then we were hearing nothing about the movie that could have felt like the Channing Tatum Gambit situation but maybe it was just that every like Channing Tatum never spoke about it whereas the Rockers kind of once a year just kind of gone like oh yeah still doing that Black Adam thing you're like oh okay I guess Um, (laughs) for me it was always that like he was such so obviously a good fit for Black Adam in a way that Channing Tatum was not for Gambit. <laughs> that it just seemed obvious that it would happen My eventually. name is Jeff. That's what I always thought of with uh, Channing Tatum as Gambit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Black Adam is happening and um, it's been directed by uh, John Collett Sarah, uh, who is a, a... I think is kind of the... He's like the the greatest auteur of trash action um, existing in modern cinema. I think he's just like, you know, he's made multiple versions of it's Liam Neeson in a, or on a, um, and, <laughs> and they're, they're always reliably pretty good. Um, the shallows is incredible. Um, Orphan, which he made, which is his horror movie is, is really fantastic. Um, I think he's great. I think The Rock is a really good action star who sometimes gets dragged down by being in bland stuff. Um, but, you know, can be funny, can do action. Um, I I am looking forward to him dialing up the the kind of darker side of his performance because, like, when he... Just before he got super famous and, you know, I think around the time he started in Fast Five... Um, in terms of super famous as like he could be a legit movie star in and of his own right. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was kind of hovering around like family comedies and then like weird, darker B action movies, you know, that cost about like 30 or 40 million to make rather than 200. Um, he was fun when he, when he, when he was a little bit darker and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing him being a villain. And it seems like the, antagonists of this movie are going to be the Justice Society of America. <laughs> uh, so Hawkman, Atom Smasher, who I originally wrote down his name as Adam Slasher um, and had to be <laughs> had to be corrected. So, uh, you know, pour one out for Adam Slasher, but he's not going to be in this. It's Atom Smasher. Uh, Cyclone and Dr. Fate. Um, and I, I kind of know these characters from the periphery of my brain, James. Yeah, I know. I, this again is something that Seb would have been really excited about, right? Or would he? Uh, would I, he I always get really confused. Excited? 
What's think... it? Because it's this, 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 this. seems to be so many things of justice in DC, and I never, sh- I'm, I'm never quite sure whether these are the ones that I should be excited about or not. So the JSA are like the nineteen, I think, forties slash fifties superhero. They're like the that version of the Justice League, and they're in they're in Legends of Tomorrow, I think, aren't they? Possibly. I, I, I stay yeah. away from the TV stuff, so. Yeah, I, um, I haven't watched that for a long time. Yeah, but like the, you know, these are reasonable names. Doctor Fate and Hawkman are, are the kind of characters who, if they were Marvel characters, would be getting their own films. So. You know. Are they what? But are they um, are they big enough characters that Black Adam couldn't just kill and defeat them in the first movie? They are absolutely not big enough that Black Adam couldn't just rip them to bits. Because that, but because that would be kind of fun, right? If you kind of set up your antihero in his solo movie, or like your your future Shazam villain mm-hmm. or future Superman villain, which I think is probably more likely um weirdly that but you you, set, you you show black adam being this villain with a movie set around him and you just see him succeed at the end and kill a bunch of superheroes yeah like uh, that would be so like on track for black adam to just kill a bunch of sort of c-list superheroes in the pursuit of saving the planet or whatever yeah i'll be fully the... happy to see that <laughs> I mean, don't don't be too enthusiastic, James. It does sound, <laughs> it sounds, it does sound pretty grim at the same time. Um, those those characters haven't been cast yet, other than um, Adam Slasher slash Atom Smasher. Um, I think it was reported a, a month or two ago that Noah Centineo mm-hmm. uh, was going to be playing him, who is um, he's like the the main uh, love interest in uh, to all the boys I loved before on netflix okay. uh which was a big like um big hit with its uh, with its target audience I've, I've seen it and the sequel i can recommend the first one the sequel's bad don't watch it <laughs> uh it's got that that's the one that um, lana condor is the lead in she's super super charming and noah centineo who's gonna be in this is kind of like fine and handsome <laughs> but i think he's <laughs> i think he's got a, a, a substantial fan base and has kind of been designated as the next guy who's gonna get a real shot at movie stardom so he is apparently set to portray he-man in the masters of the universe released by sony pictures so i guess Great. we won't be seeing much more of him <laughs> it does have a bit of a kind of taylor lautner vibe the whole <laughs> thing to me do you remember when t- t- taylor lautner was going to be stretch armstrong <laughs> that was a movie that was going to happen <laughs> uh but yeah we'll see so so that is uh black adam and that was the last of the movies teased um and actually you know it seems like dc has a, a pretty interesting slate over the next year to 18 months yeah yeah assuming Again. they actually come out yeah fingers crossed yeah um so uh movies slightly away from the movies and we'll we'll rattle through these a little bit more quickly um james i wanted to talk about milestone media so it was announced as part of dc fandom or in uh, some during some of the panels that were happening uh milestone media which i'll admit was not something that i'd heard about which i believe it was um an imprint a dc imprint was it originally yeah, so it was a um, it was an early '90s DC Comics imprint. Um, 
which recognized that minority characters were underrepresented within the superhero genre and you know sought to address that um and you know <laughs> what better time to bring that back than now where you know that is that is you know it's actively what people are asking for um and milestone i believe have a you know, a semi-successful character in their roster already uh, with Static Shock. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well so... Static was the character. Static Shock was the animated series. Right. Okay. Uh, but I think I think this new series is going to be called Static Shock. Yeah. Um, and that is being written by uh, filmmaker Reginald Hodlin, who um, also announced as part of this that he had his eye on bringing the character to the big screen as well. He's saying basically uh, that in the past there'd been the animated show, there'd been the comic, both of those were successful, and that they're looking at exploring all of those areas in the future as well as developing the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is Static a good character, an interesting character? What's, um, what's I confess to not knowing a huge amount about Static. Um I can tell you that he's a successful character. Like, had a, a pretty consistent presence since uh, those Milestone comics, which can't be said of everyone that was part of that line. Um, it was sort of developed as like a like a Spider-Man type character for the nineties. Like that was going around a lot. <laughs> um, right. Like, people saying well let's let's do spider-man isn't spider-man anymore so let's do like the modern version of that and inevitably it ended up being horrendously 90s right, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah you know like i say he he's been around and has name recognition with the possible exception of john stewart is probably one of the more prominent black dc heroes so yeah i i so, think yeah. a good That's idea interesting yeah so coming back in comics form to begin with also icon rocket icon slash rocket is another title that is returning i Um, i'm not sure about the rocket thing icon was another of those launch characters for um for milestone it was um he was an alien (laughs) right okay so maybe 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 he's teaming up with rocket in this one and then duo was another character who was re uh, referenced as part of this announcement um it's it's one of it's one of these things James that I do I do wonder that and I think it's it's certainly become clear to me in the past year um as the black lives matter movement has has happened and people have started talking more I mean there was a huge article online yes uh last week about um the criterion collection and how it had kind of overlooked black filmmakers mm-hmm. um and it and it is kind of undeniable. Um, yeah, I'm I'm listening to uh, Blank Check, uh, which is still my favorite podcast a year on. Um, but I've been listening to Blank Check, and they've been doing a Gina Prince Bifewood series. Um, you know, kind of on the back of um, Old Guard being released on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, also because she she's a really interesting filmmaker with a kind of really robust back catalogue despite the fact that she hasn't made a huge amount of movies um and i'd you know i'd watched beyond the lights before i'd watched love and basketball um mm-hmm. 
last year. But when I watched Love and Basketball, I had no idea that it was this huge kind of cultural touchstone for black audiences in terms of, you know, late 90s, early 2000s rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Um, because it it's it's something that's just not really held up in the in the canon the same way something like when harry met sally is you know or even you know yeah. like you know up certainly as you get into the 2000s a lot of really bang average white romantic comedies i mean <laughs> the the the, the, the space that love actually occupies in the pantheon is one that you know if that if that actually went to love and basketball instead it would be a much better thing for that kind of discourse mm-hmm. um and yeah and I, and I do wonder whether you know that that kind of it that static is a character that i've never heard of but i do wonder whether black or you know black audience was would be going what the fuck are you talking about like that was a huge big deal for me when I was 15 years old watching that static animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just something that I'm completely overlooking. So I, I, I was interested when I read this about Milestone Media. And I think, you know, I think part of part of that is on uh, me as an individual and, you know, all of us to, to not kind of just overlook stuff and miss it. Uh, but also as part of the, the wider machine um and you know we can we can do this through the podcast as well is to actually talk about that kind of stuff and and make sure it's pointed out and and i think there is a job to be done across all media to go back and reassess the canon yeah this this kind of nebulous thing um especially when you look at for me it is you know it's a it's a huge eye-opener that something with the you know, respect of the Criterion Collection and kind of is seen as this definitive thing uh, in in film that getting into the Criterion Collection is a huge big deal. Um, that that black filmmaker, I think it's like three black filmmakers in the current in in the post Laserdisc, which is like post early nineties uh, iteration of the Criterion Collection, which is crazy. Um, and I'm sure that exists over all kinds of mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah that this uh, I, I would i would like to find out a bit more about static in these coming months and i'll be i'll be paying attention to that and hopefully it does um hopefully the relaunch of milestone goes well and uh maybe there is a potential for a movie in the future yeah. um the last thing on our list james is video games um <laughs> as lana del rey saying <laughs> so two video games one that we already knew about uh, but with a bit more detail and then uh, one video game that we didn't know about uh we've got suicide squad colon kill the justice league <laughs> um we knew that was happening there was a teaser uh with superman in it um a, a couple of months ago i think where the implication was going to be that your job in the game was to kill the members of the justice league yeah. which uh it, bold for a game uh your four playable characters are going to be harley quinn king shark deadshot and boomerang um so probably not tying directly into uh into any of the movie stuff but more riffing on the ip um and apparently you're going to be able to play as one of those characters uh, you, you kind of choose the character you want to pick as mm-hmm. and then you can collaborate online so if you're playing as harley and one of your mates is playing as king shark you can collaborate on missions together as well Okay. 
which that sounds fun. Um, and then Gotham Knights, which uh, was interesting to me given all the chat that we've had on the podcast in the past about the Bat family. Um, this is set in a world where Batman and Commissioner Gordon have died and it is the Bat family trying to fill that gap. Uh, so you've got Nightwing, Red Hood, Robin and Batgirl as the four playable characters. Again, I think in a similar vein to Suicide Squad, you'll you'll play as one of those and then can collaborate online. Um, and yeah, I, I get it's it's interesting to me as well that these these titles are getting um it it just seems indicative of what DC are doing uh, from a kind of wider perspective which is relying less on just those big title characters and and kind of setting up this uh, which which could potentially be this you know huge transmedia um multimedia kind of multiverse right where, which in 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 an ideal world, you just go anything that's successful could be a world that that you know we kind of write into our overall canon. Mm-hmm. The the way the way that I thought it was it it felt like a statement of intent in a way that when Ezra Miller turned up on the Flowerverse to just go, yeah, we're we're not afraid to do this. This is this isn't an Agents of Shield scenario. Yeah. The Flash is here, as in Barry Allen. Uh, it's not. It's not. You know, a one-scene cameo, never to be spoken again, beyond the first season of Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> or it's. Or it's not. Um, oh, someone. Can we? Is anyone free? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It feels. It, it. It does feel like they're setting up a more flexible, wider DC world, and. Um, I thought those games sounded interesting. Yeah, I think DC's games have generally been pretty well respected. Like, I sort of dropped off the Arkham series because I felt like I was playing the same game multiple times, but this new one looks like something I would be interested in playing again. Um, just because, I get, yeah, I get to play those characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, who knows, but the, who knows how it will actually end up, but nothing is compelling me to play this Avengers game that is about to... No. <laughs> it, it looks... Least of all, the Ugh. the reactions of people who have played it. Well, the, I, I know there was a lot of glitches with the beta, right? Yeah. I saw some horrific images online of, like, characters whose external skin had been ripped off. <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could just see, like, eyes and teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, and Gotham Knights. Those are the those are the two games that were introduced inside the fandom. So James, we've done it. We've uh, we've we've covered everything that we thought was interesting, at least within the fandom. Yeah. And we have said nice things without having to resort to praising Marvel. Marvel isn't really on my mind right now. No, mine neither. <laughs> I'm I'm sure that you know. I, I, as I said, uh, I, I said this in our private chat, I am excited about Marvel's bold new future, which has more Florence Pugh in it than it had before. <laughs> um, but otherwise, again, Marvel is definitely at the moment in that realm of my mind of I will get excited when it, it when it's actually going to happen. But yeah. at the moment, you know, whether that is the whether that is the movies, uh, which we've, you know, we've now gone over a year without an MCU movie. 
Um, I left the podcast for a year and they didn't release one, uh, which is, which is, uh, you know, would have been unfathomable at any point over the last decade. Right. Um, and the TV shows as well. It's kind of, oh, I some of know. them are still going. Yeah, I guess. And I guess many of them are not. Loki might show up. I think they started filming. I don't think they finished. Yeah, Captain America and the Winter Soldier is the one that is Falcon and the Winter finishing. Soldier. Sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, but who knows? He might be Captain America. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I will we'll get excited about when they when about any of those when I can see them. But something I will be able to see, James, unless between now and recording it gets pushed back again, is New Mutants. We're going to see something in cinemas, that's for sure. Whether it's a New Mutants movie, who knows? I'm kind of excited. I can't I wait to I, see if there's a Wolverine cameo. Haven't seen. I, I don't care about any. I, I just <laughs> just want it to be its own weird little thing, and I, and. Based on that like minute of footage that they put up online, it already looks more interesting than the last two entries in the in the main X Men series. Yeah, just be good. That's all I want out of it. Just be good and. Oh, no, I don't, I don't even fun. need it to be good. I, <laughs> I, I I would genuinely settle for a weird failure. <laughs> I think then you may be very uh, happy with the results. <laughs> okay, well let's see. Um... Oh, do I need, I used to do like an outro, I don't know. Uh what did we what did I used to? You used what, to what, say what, Did you but was that uh, where had you got to? Was it was there like anything that you were particularly pushing or No. Do we, uh, it's, there's nothing we need to push really, is there? No, not right now. I think just give it just a fairly clean classic yeah. sign off is fine. I'll do I'll do a I'll do a fairly simple one. Yeah. Um, as we have already mentioned, things are slightly up in the air. We are still figuring out what we're doing uh, more broadly. Uh, for the time being, your best way to uh, keep up to date with what we're doing would be to follow us on Twitter, where we are at cine underscore verse, um, and subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening, and we will see you if New Mutants comes out. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.